Hello and welcome to GameSpot After Dark, episode 54. I'm your host, Jake Decker, and joining me this week is Lucy James. Hello. Michael Hyam. Hello, I'm back, y'all. And special guest, Paris Lilly. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. This is going to be fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I was saying like before we started that this is perfect timing because we scheduled this a couple weeks ago and then they announced the Night City Wire yeah. for this week. And I was like, all right, this is perfect. <laughs> this is perfect. We can talk a lot about cyberpunk and we have a good reason because otherwise I think we would have just talked a lot about cyberpunk and there'd be no news. Right. Uh, not, that, not that I'd complain, but you know. But anyway, we normally start this show off with the Chris from Dayton, Ohio segment. And our listeners are very tired of hearing this story. But the story, Paris, is that when we first started, we did like our first couple episodes without like properly introducing ourselves. So finally, someone wrote in and was like, I don't know who the hell any of you are. So we're like, okay, we got to go back. We introduced ourselves. And basically, the question was, what kind of games do you play? What's a game that you always come back to? What are some genres that really stand out to you that you'll always pick up and play? Uh, and just like generally, what what kind of what kind of games do you like to play? Uh, you can kind of take that question however you like, whatever you think is relevant. But yeah, we just want to hear a little bit about you. Sure. So again, I'm, I'm Paris Lilly. Um, I'm on a podcast called Gamertag Radio. Uh, it's been around for a long time, but we talk about gaming. Start off as like an Xbox only podcast, but now we just talk about any and everything gaming wise. But game specific, something I always come back to. There's two things I always come back to. It's it's like the mob. I think I'm out and they just pull me back in. Uh, Destiny is, is one of them. I've just been there since the beginning. And every time I think, all right, I'm, I'm done. This is it. It's getting repetitive. Bungie broke the game. They do something cool and, and I'm back. Just like I'm back now playing. Uh, and another one is The Witcher 3. Like, you know, obviously Cyberpunk, I'm, I'm super into that. But The Witcher 3, I, for this generation of gaming, I just, I, I think it is the best game this generation. I think it's at the gold standard for open world RPGs. And there's constantly something that you can always go back into and explore or you do a different dialogue option and it goes a completely different way than it did last time something i've been doing during during the pandemic is i've been playing that game and i've just been doing photo mode so i'll go to like skellig and just all all these different places and i just take photos just because right so that that's a game that i'll always return to um i think when i when i think a genre that i'm always in it would be shooters like first person shooters like taking it even way back to the original xbox um halo was just something i i just naturally gravitated to um you know even uh call of duty when modern warfare originally came out no seven was something i was big in for a while but um lately it's it's definitely been like rpgs that i've been into the open world stuff like even like assassin's creed odyssey was something i was i've really been into the past few years skyrim obviously has been huge things like that i used to be really big into japanese rpgs back in the day but i've, I've kind of fallen off of them i haven't played the final fantasy 7 remake yet i need to but uh that that's pretty much me and then i love platformers i i, I would say that mario 3 is probably the greatest game ever made because I, I i love the challenge of a difficult platformer so even something like cubhead that i will just bang my head against the wall for an hour <laughs> trying to get past a level and just say every curse word in the book but when i i pass it it's like a, i take a victory lap around the house um that's me that, that's me with with gaming i think i think <laughs> so so i do have a quick question for you sure. I, I know you do gamer tag radio which started out as an xbox focused podcast yes. do you mostly play on xbox still or do you <laughs> kind of jump around believe it or not i don't 
And, and it's, it's so funny with social media because people think I'm this Xbox Z lot, but I'm not. Um, I'm, I'm really big in PC games. Um, I mostly play on PC. Um, like I mentioned Destiny before. So PlayStation is kind of was my home for Destiny for a long time, but now I've switched over to PC. But uh, yeah, I would say console wise, ironically enough, I probably play more on PlayStation than anything because games like God of War, obviously The Last of Us, Ghost of Tsushima just came out, Uncharted, Spider-Man etc. But um, I would say third party wise has mostly been PC for me. Nice. Yeah. Cause you mentioned like doing the photo mode in the Witcher three and I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know if there is a photo mode on the, <laughs> on the Xbox, but I know with the PC version, you can use the NVIDIA photo right. mode and it, it looks really right. good. I was messing right, around exactly. with it a lot. Yeah. And, and then I guess just one more question I can hit you with quickly is uh, are you, are you someone who's going to get the series X PS five and all that stuff at launch? Or are you kind of, picking us i don't want to say pick a side i hate the whole console yeah, war stuff, i agree but yeah. like is there one you're kind of leaning more towards i would have if you'd have asked me this question about maybe about 28 hours ago i probably would have <laughs> said the series x uh just for the simple fact uh it, with halo infinite that that was something that was really attracting me towards the series x even though i could play it on pc um playstation 5 i don't necessarily know if i need to get that at launch i don't know if Spider-Man, uh, Miles Morales is going to be enough for me to want to, you know, run out and try and get it this holiday versus just wait until later. Like, honestly, the, the game that I saw on PlayStation that the day it comes out, I will have to have a PlayStation 5 is Ratchet and Clank. I mean, to me, that's the only quote unquote next gen game I've seen of, of all these reveals this, this summer. Um, but event, I'll own them all eventually, like I do now. Ironically enough, I'll probably I'll probably be on the Switch more than anything this holiday, if anything. But um yeah, I, I was leaning Series X to answer your question, but now I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I'll have to wait to see the, what the rest of the reveals are going to look like over the next month or so and then just make up my mind by November. Yeah, I feel that. I just put a 280, uh, 2080 Ti in my PC. Yep, so I'm like, same. I, I mean, that's what I'm going to play Cyberpunk on. That's what I'm going to play exactly. a lot of these yeah. games on. <laughs> and I guess that's the big thing. It's like I know, like Cyberpunk, just to stick on that, I'm playing that on PC. What When NVIDIA announces whatever they announce here on what was it september 1st i think they said they're going to do it i assume there's going to be a 3080 ti i'm getting a 3080 ti because i have to play cyberpunk in 4k high frames rtx the whole thing because that's just the way i want to experience that game in that world so i'll definitely be on pc this holiday but console wise probably leaning more towards switch especially if that rumored mario 35th anniversary stuff comes out i'll 100 be there yeah, my fingers are crossed. Where's Bayonetta yeah. 3, though? Give me Bayonetta 3. <laughs> yeah, I haven't yeah. heard anything yeah. about her for so long. One day. One day. That and Metroid. Metroid Prime 3. Or Oof. 4. Don't, yeah. get me, don't get me started on Metroid Prime, man. <laughs> well, anyway, we should talk about what we've been playing this week. I'm going to start this because I don't really have anything to say apart from more Dark Souls 2. Uh, like I said last week, I've been more or less just doing a campaign through that game with two friends, which has been very interesting. I don't know if that's the best way to play through a Souls game, but a friend of mine was like, hey, this game's not that good. We should just get through it as quickly as possible. But last week I said that I think I like Dark Souls 2 more than Dark Souls 1, and already I'm like, no. Nope. Dark Souls 1 is definitely better. I don't know why I said it. I think I just played a little bit of it, and I was like kind of in a honeymoon phase of playing with friends, and like, oh, this is cool. But yeah, no. Dark Souls 1 is so much better. Have you seen, there was a fantastic uh, video essay that H Bomber guy did mm-hmm. about doc, in defense of Dark Souls 2. And it's something like two hours long, just about how people get Dark Souls 2 wrong. 
I think he does admit that obviously original is way better, but he does make some very good points, but it didn't really change my mind about Dark Souls 2. He when does. You th- when, you, when you rank them. Yeah, the totally. Rest of the Souls games. It, he, he did make some good points. I watched most of it, but I, I don't know. At the end of the day, like Dark Souls 1 is just so much more memorable than mm. 2. Uh, it, it, to, to catch you up, Paris, I had never actually played through all of Dark Souls 1. I got it in 2011 when it came out. Because everyone said it was better than Skyrim. And I was like, nah, this isn't better than Skyrim. I've kind of since flipped on that a little bit. Uh, but I finally decided to play through it. So I beat one. And then I was like, all right, logically, let's go to two. Uh, but a friend of mine was like, yeah, you're probably not going to like two. So we should do a co-op. So that's what we did. Uh, and I was really enjoying it at first. Just because I think the novelty of like playing a like entirely co-op, co-op-focused campaign of that game was a lot of fun. But since then, I, 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 I'm getting frustrated with it. I'm, I'm, very, I'm very ready for it to end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but that, that's pretty much all I've been doing. Other than that, like, I've been moving and trying to figure out where, where, where to be living these next couple months. Uh, so I haven't played too many games. There is one other game, but I can't talk about it until next week. Ooh. So a little bit of a tease there. But with that, Lucy, do you want to take it away? Ooh, so I, um, last time I was on the podcast, I was talking about Ghost, Platinum That. Michael, you're going to you're gonna be proud of me. I, I see it on the run sheet. Oh, I'm playing Yakuza 0. Damn right you are. Um, oh my God. So uh, I felt like until, at least there's nothing really that's caught my eye until the Alan Wake DLC for Control out at the end of this month. And I was like, what is something that I've been meaning to play? that I just have never got around to for one reason or another. And I hear the crime boys at work, like Michael, Ben, and John Luke talk about how great Yakuza is all the time. I've seen Brittany from What's Good tweet about it all the time. Uh, Ray Narvaez has been tweeting about it and streaming it recently. And I was just like, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to play Yakuza. And I'm at the stage now where I'm not really going to say story stuff or spoilers, but it's fully got its hooks in me because it has such an incredible blend of just being outrageous like i had my first encounter with mr shakedown um (laughs) which (laughs) he reminds me of that kind that kid from uh bojack horseman which is just two kids in a trench coat yeah like vincent adult man (laughs) um shaking me down for my money in the middle of the street um but also the story just the beats that i'm hitting and just like the intricacies of the family and getting betrayed by everyone and um, figuring out my new alliances and stuff is really, really good. I've uh, quickly been, I've been kind of balancing it with dark as well, which has been quite good because I think I've talked in the past about how I have noticed in a really bad habit in myself that I check my phone during load screens or during cutscenes. but obviously foreign language stuff, I can't do that because I need, I need to pay attention. So it's been a good learning experience for me, but also the game is just really, really fun. I struggled so hard with one uh, particular, on the run up to the first boss, um, you kind of go through a building, go up all these stairs and you're fighting loads and loads of guys. Um, I didn't realize that there was a block button. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Which, I uh, Honestly, like I played through that most of that game, not even blocking. Look, it, it's punches, it's throwing shit. It's yeah. fucking tossing dudes and nothing else. <laughs> like, Well, it's that room where you get, um, you get thrown into a room with like 15 dudes, mm-hmm. which was fine. But then there's one kind of mini boss in there at the same time as you. So I was trying to get him down first. 
And then I just kept getting hit or like just doing yeah. something stupid and messing it up. And then I was like, oh my God, there's a blood blood. <laughs> hey, it's all heat uh, moves out here. Pile driving fools on the streets and stabbing them and then picking them back up and being like, hey, good fight. But, you know, don't don't do bad shit anymore, man. Because that, that's the thing. That's the thing about Yakuza is like I say it every time. Every article I write is like that perfect mix of melodrama, but also like life lessons and mm-hmm. and silly shit. Uh, it's no other game does that. And I don't think any other game can. Uh, so I'm really excited for you, Lucy, because it's very unique. I'm very excited to just go on the the journey because obviously Tam as well has said. I think Tam is playing it as well. I mean, like my yeah, boyfriend's playing he was, it. He was texting me, and then Tam was like, "Yo, Yakuza Zero, what a such a beautiful game, such a beautiful heartwarming game where you get to beat the shit out of people." So hell yeah! But also, I think just the um, aging foreigner. I don't know how to say his name. Is it back Bacchus? Oh yeah, Bacchus. Just the, just the way that his voice lines oh, are just. <laughs> God, it's so it's it's really annoying. I hate it. I wanted it. I want it as a ringtone. I want that as my Slack ping. Oh no! Yeah. But yeah, anyway, that's what I've been doing. I've been playing yeah. Yakuza. Yeah. Also, try and seek out. I would say try and seek out the sub stories. I know side yes. quests in most games are kind of uh, you know sometimes you want to ignore them to mainline a story. But I think the side, the sub stories in Yakuza Zero really help sell you on how it's tonal inflections between all the all the dumb shit that it does, and also building out Kazuma Kiryu as uh, this big mean guy with the heart of gold. So I think it does a lot of for building up his character, but also just how fucking ridiculous Kamarocho is. It's it's a it's a fun time. It's I think Zero is the best singular representation of the Yakuza series as a whole, which is why I recommend people start with that game, even though it's not like, uh, wasn't really, it wasn't made first uh, Mm -hmm. in the chronological order of the games coming out, but very good representation of the rest of that series. Paris, have you dabbled in Yakuza at all? I haven't. And it's, it's so funny what, what you're just saying about all the people on Twitter that are, mm-hmm. that are talking about it. I, I need to because I keep seeing it come up so much. Everyone that plays it really loves it. Now, is, is Zero the one that's on Game Pass? Zero is on Game Pass. Yeah, yeah, see, I, yeah see, I need to jump in. I, I own it already yeah. since I have Game Pass. I need to go play it. That's wild um, too. Like, yeah, I think um, the remake of 1 and I think the remake of 2 are either on Game Pass or will be. So right. you, like the first three games on Game Pass and it's on uh, Game Pass PC and Xbox. So Yeah, really, and 7 really is 7 coming to Game Pass too. Yeah, 7 yeah. is uh 7's a big Xbox. They're pushing uh 7 uh which is a completely separate story and the so they're not calling it Yakuza 7 because they are trying to make that separation because it's a brand new story. But yeah, that is also going to be a it's they're pushing uh for the Xbox Series X with that one. So it's like really cool to see this this kind of niche-ish PlayStation series from way back when in like the mid-2000s really kind of expand its player base, but also the platforms it's available on. Yeah, I, I just looked now on on the Game Pass on PC. It's there, Yakuza Zero. <sighs> you know, you know what to do, parents. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Michael, do you want to do you want to continue with what you've been playing? Yes, uh, my God. Uh, so this week, uh, Final Fantasy XIV, uh, the five point three patch, quote unquote patch. I can't believe Square Enix calls these things patches. They are f- basically, if you're a subscriber, they are free, full on content updates. These are like DLC level 
of packs that just get added into the game. And it's been built up for a long time because it got delayed because of uh, Square Enix's shift uh, during COVID-related, you know, changes in work, uh, workplace dynamics and all that. So they haven't, they delayed, but they haven't missed the beat because the story in Final Fantasy XIV 5.3 is absolutely incredible. Like, I said this on Twitter not too long ago, but it's it, it feels so good to be inspired and energized by a game again. And I say that um, it's it's I'm trying to keep keep it short, but uh, so the recent expansion is an MMORPG. Recent recent expansion Shadowbringers told this really grand scale story that kind of tied a lot of the lore and narrative threads that have been sewed throughout Final Fantasy XIV's. 10-year, nine-year history up to that point and did so in such bold fashion. It, Yeah, and it really focused on its characters. And it's weird to think of an MMORPG going all in on its characters, uh, but it does it like no other MMO and like not many RPGs, period. Uh, so, and the way this game works is that they come out with an expansion and then they have 0.1, 0.2, 0.3, updates afterwards to tie up any narrative threads and also bridge into the next expansion in their 0.4 and 0.5 updates. So 5.3 concluded the story of the expansion. And I was on this podcast last year talking about how Shadowbringers like brought real ass tears to my eyes. Just you almost with, cried during the podcast. Too. I almost cried during mm. the podcast because it was just absolutely stunning uh, what they were able to do in the cinematics and the character building and because it's it, they hit you with such strong revelatory moments that make perfect sense with all the things that they've been building up. Uh, so it's incredible storytelling that pays off. Uh, and then it's like, well, how do they top themselves off there? And 5.3 does that so incredibly well. Uh, it's, man, uh, yeah, I finished it last night and I was like all up in my guild's discord, like, yo, in our spoiler discord chat and it's, it's it's so heartwarming to see what they've been able to do with that game and like the core of shadowbringers actually the core of this story that just came out this week goes all the way back to the original base game that came out in 2013 there was like an there was an optional dungeon raid that came out in 2014 after its release there was a character core character in that side content and it kind of ended and then they brought him all the way back for this new expansion, tying story threads all the way back to the base game and just the interconnectedness and the way it loops back around. It makes perfect sense. And it's it's an absolute achievement of uh, what Square Enix was able to do at Final Fantasy XIV. So uh, we'll get into specifics because uh, one, there's mad spoilers. Uh, and two, I'm probably going to cry. I'm hey. really excited to get, because I've heard you talk about Final Fantasy 14 for the last couple of years <laughs> and I've always just felt because I, I tried it a few years ago and it just didn't click with me at the time but honestly yeah. seeing how much it's grown and seeing how much you and other people just enthuse about it I'm genuinely really excited um I have to wait until my boyfriend gets back and then we're gonna try grouping up with a bunch of you because actually we have um we have a slack channel a peek behind the scenes at games so we have a slack channel where people just ask questions about something that they're not sure about called explain like i'm five and right now all of the questions are just about final fantasy 14 like <laughs> which server should i go on uh what do i do here what should i do and it's basically just been really nice because i love seeing you guys get so excited that everyone else is dipping in 
Yeah. And it's just like sharing that love. So yeah, there's, yeah, there's been a lot of people on Twitter too, like uh, just on the timeline and hitting me up about like, Hey, uh, got any tips? What should I do? What are, what are some things that I need to know before I jump in? Uh, there are kind of a, a lot of things I'm, I'm having a, like a big feature on how to get into uh, final fantasy 14 going up on the site tomorrow. Uh, or well, if you hear that, if you hear this, cause it's coming out on Friday, it's already on the site. Um, but there are, uh, I think the one thing that I will stress to those, I'm sure there are some people listening who are thinking about getting into the game. It's kind of set your expectations or I would like, I want to set your expectations to be like, you know, the base game is, I think it's very good. It's not the most exciting thing though. So there's going to be um, like the, the story quests aren't this big grand scale. It takes a lot of time to build up its world. Uh, so don't go into it expecting to get all the juicy stuff right off the bat. It does take a lot of time to get there. That's not saying that the base game isn't worth your time or it's not fun because there's a lot of fun to be had in the in the base game. It's just like, you know, enjoy it for what it is. I, I tell people, you know, you know, it's it's a really good learning experience because the game takes its time to kind of ease you into its mechanics and its intricacies. Like you don't have to know everything straight off the bat. Just do the main story quests. Uh, get a feel for the game, start to understand the mechanics and also enjoy the world. I think it's a, it's a really beautiful world and the music is absolutely incredible. Uh, so some folks be like, oh, is it a podcast game? Like, nah, don't, don't, don't be listening to podcasts uh, while you play it because the soundtrack is beautiful. And I think it really helps you kind of bring you into that world and make you care about it uh, in ways. And then eventually once you get to the expansion, which is also part of the free trial, that's when shit gets real. Uh, and so I'll leave it at that. I, I made it about halfway through the main story at the beginning of this lockdown, but then I made the mistake of Googling how many quests there were in A Realm Reborn. And I was like, oh my God, yeah. I've got so many I have to get through. Yeah. So the, the, I'm excited to give it another shot with this update, right? Because didn't they say they took out like 15% of the quests or something yes. like that? Yeah, they cut, they cut. There was a lot of like, go here, talk to this person. Okay, now go here and like, talk to this person. Find three yeah. carrots or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go out in this field, find three carrots, bring it back, and then you get an item and then talk to this person. So they cut out, they said like 13 to 15% of those nonsense quests. Uh, and hopefully that helps a lot of people kind of uh, get uh, past or not get bogged down in the, the unexciting stuff because there is a lot of unexciting stuff in there to get to the good shit. So uh, yeah. Paris, how about you? What have you been up to this last week? So I, I won't bore anyone with my adventures in Destiny because nah, <laughs> give it to us. Give it to yeah, us go man. for it. Go for it. <laughs> well, I'll I'll just keep it short and sweet. I'd actually taken an extended break at the beginning of the year, which was like the first time you know since 2014 I'd really not been dedicated to playing it, and then I came back and started up again um, in late June, early July. So I've been catching up. To back to it. So I'm like finally back up to full power level with my characters and all the content. So it it was in anticipation of it come the Beyond Light coming out in September, but now that's obviously been delayed a couple more months. So it, I'm in this weird state now. I know there's a Solstice of Heroes event that that started where I'm kind of going to take a break again, I think, for a little bit and play some other things, which then leads me right into what I've really been playing mostly this week. And that's Fall Guys. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I have okay. been slamming my head against a wall and just rage quitting with that game all week. That, that's literally all I do. I have yet to win anything. I got close once and Same. I think 
I almost threw my computer out of, out of the house. I, almost just, <laughs> I was like, I'm done. I'm never playing this again. I hate this game. But then they, the music plays and you see them fall and I go, okay, I'll do it again. Or you squat up with some people. Okay, I'll do it again. I think the beauty of it is it's simplicity. Mm-hmm. Anyone can pick it up and play it. Anyone can win except me, clearly. But I can't win either. It, <laughs> I can't win either. I win but but that that's why it's that's why it's so frustratingly fun because it's always just something really really dumb, something super dumb, and I die every time, and 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 I get mad, and then I I, I run out of the room and I laugh, and my wife is like, "Why are you in there yelling?" I go, "Cause I'm playing this stupid game again, and I can't stop playing it." <laughs> I, I love it and hate it at the same time. They, they they clearly have a hit on their hands. I think when this when this finally goes to the Switch and and the Xbox and they enable crossplay, oh, game over, game over at that point. <laughs> yeah, it's over. It's, yeah, I, I think as well. Like you can see all the companies making um, you know costume ideas for oh, DLC yeah, and yeah. stuff. They will just rake in so yes. much money from that because no. I would, you know, if there's going to be that Metal Gear pack that, you know, fan art was going around, I would 100% buy that. I just like it's the little big planet kind of feeling. I just want. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, I, I'm not going to dare say this is going to reach Fortnite levels, but I think this has that crossover appeal that Fortnite had. And it's something again, everybody can play. Anybody can pick this up and play it. So the more platforms they get this game on and just make it more accessible. And like you said, all the, the marketing tie-ins they'll be able to do with this thing. I, I, I see great potential with it. Like I said, the, the trust me, everybody will know the day that I win. Everybody will know because, <laughs> because I'm, I'm going to post it on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Carrier Pigeon, Pony Express, Smokes, and whatever I have to do. Everyone's going to know because that will be the best day of my life when I finally win at this game. You know, that, that's the thing, too, is that Fall Guys, Fall Guys is so shareable. You know, mm-hmm. it's yeah. like yeah, I'll, I'm going to post the clip. Everyone's posting clips and yep. everyone's talking about how they got screwed over uh, uh, on winning or how they did some like real shady shit to somebody else. Yeah. And it's it's. Yeah, it's it's that thing where it can go viral at almost any time because it's that like relatable and also understandable and also just a lot of fun. Mm. Was Takeshi's Castle a big thing here in America? Kind, kind of. So I, I wouldn't say it was a big thing, but definitely people watched it. Like I remember seeing it, God, seeing a couple episodes here and there. It's basically yeah. I mean, like that's what the game is. Yeah. It's just Takeshi's <laughs> yeah. Castle, and it was such a huge thing in the UK. And obviously, Takeshi's Castle. Problematic in retrospect, not not the best when it comes to like the voiceover and stuff, and just very weird like poking fun at the Japanese kind of sensibility. But like the the core of it of you know just like these wacky things that people will do to try and win, and like distilling it and making it a weird jelly bean creature who can only jump, hug, and dive, is is just really smart and it's so much fun. But also Simon Cardi, I know you're listening. I will end you. He won. He won a game. uh, And then we all hopped on to play together. And uh, it was only me and him left. I think Tam and Bless had been knocked out. Uh, Only me and him left in the final round, which was the tail one. And I had the tail and it was three seconds to go. Who takes it from me? Who takes it from me? But young Simon Cardi. Someone took it from him too. So it's fine. I can survive, but I will get my revenge. I will get my win. This is how I know this is a great game. I, I had a dream about it the other night, and I woke up mad. That that's how I know it's. <laughs> <a good game. laughs> Yo, 
that's the, that's the same thing with me or not not with fall guys but it's funny like last night when i went to sleep when i played final fantasy 14 it was a complete opposite in which i went to sleep and i woke up like super happy and energized like, yeah we dream about video games out here after we play them so. yeah <laughs> Whether we whether we hate it or not, man. Whether we pissed about Fall Guys or are inspired by Final Fantasy, man. These these video games, damn. I I have to say the mini game in Fall Guys that is probably my favorite, but also the most frustrating, has to be the the one with all the fake doors. Oh, oh I and, love that. One. And I I love it, but like when there's only one door open and everyone just rushes yes. it, and it's just like. This yeah. this mass bottleneck right at the door, and everyone's falling on top of each other, and I'm getting mad because I can't move because there's you know 40 jelly beans on top of me. It's so good. It's Gamescom for you. There was um yeah. there was one oh it's the one where the the hole in the walls and you have to like jump and dodge and try and yeah. get through the gaps. Um, everyone else had gotten through, but I kept getting caught and I kept tripping up. But obviously the great thing is if you've qualified, you can look back and see what other people are doing. So all of my friends are on the voice chat going, oh, Lucy, oh, Lucy, no, no. And it's just me (laughs) falling over again and again, just getting stuck. And it's really good fun. I love that game so much. All right, and we are back with topics. The first thing, the big thing we want to talk about is the Cyberpunk Night City Wire. So this happened, what, Monday? And they covered three things. They covered the life paths a little bit more. We got a new trailer for that. They did like a sort of mini documentary about samurai and refused the band's transformation into samurai. And then they had a trailer with a bunch of new weapons and then they kind of broke down the weapons a little bit. Before we get into that though, uh, Paris, I know you actually had a chance to play cyberpunk back in June, I imagine. Cause I think that's yes. when I was able to play it as well. I was just curious, since we're talking about life paths, what did you pick during that event and what life path are you most leaning towards right now? Oh, it's Corpo without a doubt. That that's what I picked oh. when I, I played during the preview and that just literally solidified. Yep. I'm playing Corpo first <laughs> when the, when the final game comes out, I, I like the fact that you start off in Arasaka tower and you obviously, well, maybe, I don't know. What life path did you play? You I did Nomad. Uh, okay, you did I, Nomad. I think I'm going to do Nomad when the game comes okay. out too. But yeah, for, for Corpo, you start in Arasaka Tower and then you're sent on a mission and you go to Lizzie's Bar and just everything that, that sets that up, that then brings you to that point where I'm sure when you played where it's you and Jackie in the car and then you you repeat that, that, that mission um, from the original demo in uh, 2018. But uh, yeah, I because I love the dialogue options that happen because the one that stood out to me and and I could talk about this for hours. So please <laughs> cut me off at any time. <laughs> but I love the corporal options that would show up because like when you uh, meet Meredith, the Militech agent, and she tries to give you that um, the chip with the virus on it. I had a dialogue option as corporal where I knew she put a virus on the chip. I call her out on it and she was surprised that I call her out on it. She tries to make another deal with me and I basically tell her, no, screw you. So she says, F you, and they leave. So I never get anything from her. So I had to go to the Maelstrom gang without any assistance from Militech and had to negotiate on my own uh, to get the uh, the flathead bot where I wound up shooting uh, the gang leader in the head um, right then and there. So we have a shootout like immediately. So he mm-hmm. never gets to the point where he gets in that mech suit that you see from the 2018 demo. It played out completely different than than the way um, you've seen it uh, in the demo. So that's that's what excited me that, wow, 
look at all these different options. And even the um, seed person from CD Projekt Red, that was kind of my guide while I was playing, he, he kept commenting, I was doing things that he hadn't even seen himself. And he's played the game, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of times at this point. And that excited me even more because it just goes to show you that there's so many different possibilities in Night City when you're playing. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, like I, I did the Nomad Path because like we, we had three people at GameSpot checking it out and someone else picked Corpo, someone else picked Street Kid yeah. and I was the one left. So I was like, all right, well, I'll do Nomad just so we can compare and contrast. Yeah. But one thing that uh, a coworker had mentioned was like, well, I've never been to Night City before. And the whole like basis of the Nomad is that the Nomad is kind of a foreigner too and has never been to Night City. Right. So my thinking was that the Nomad would make a lot of sense to start with just because we're both seeing uh, Night City with fresh eyes. And I guess not entirely fresh because I did, you know, play four hours of the game a couple months ago. Um, but but yeah, I, I'm just like, I'm very excited to start off with Nomad and then go yeah. back. And I think I think Corpo is going to be the second one for me. Yeah. And then and then finally end on, on Street Kid. But before I get too far ahead of myself, uh, Lucy, Michael, you guys also watched the Night City Wire, I imagine. Uh, yeah. What do you guys think of the life paths? Is there a particular one that stood out to you guys or are you kind of waiting to see what people uh, say? This, this is always the most difficult decisions with these games when they straight up make you not just the, not even character creator, but like, oh, wait, which path you can choose? Even like Mass Effect where you just, it's just the menu option. Like, oh, yeah, are you, like you from Earth? Soldier background from, or whatever. Yeah. Space I'm, yeah. I'm like, damn, I got to look up the consequences for each of these things. But I, I kind of, Looking at how ambitious and just how many directions Cyberpunk goes, this is definitely the game that's going to break you out of that habit of, you know, trying to look up what the most optimal path is or what you want to do. Just choose something, go with it, deal with it, live with it. It's going to be, it's probably going to, like, the game will take care of itself in terms of giving you something worth uh, playing through. Um, but it's it's funny because uh, when Corpo was was an option, I was like, fuck that shit. Fuck capitalism. I ain't, I ain't going to be part of this no corporation that's like uh, doing a ton of bad shit because you know they're doing bad shit. Um, but the thing about Corpo is like, okay, wh- how are they going to tell that story? What are the story beats going to be in terms of your involvement with this corporation? Because in cyberpunk genre and literature and fiction is that, you know, corporations are essentially replacing the government. So they have a lot of power, a lot of control, but how's that going to be portrayed and what's my role going to be in it? So that's what fascinates me about the Corpo life path. Uh, and also just like seeing the footage of going through those buildings with these, with many suits and executives in there. It's like, it feels dangerous. It feels mm-hmm. like I, one, I don't belong here because I know I'm going to do some, like some shit's going to go down. Um, it's just, it's very overwhelming. Like it's larger than life. Uh, and that's the thing about like these corporations in cyberpunk fiction is like they are larger than life and I want to fuck their shit up, but how, how am I going to do that? How am I going to do that? Uh, so that's, that's the fascinating thing. I, I might go corpo, but I, I also lean towards street kid cause you know, I'm from the streets, yo, it's, it's going to be, it's kind of like more of like a, a self role play kind of thing that I would find fascinating, but you know, it's tough to choose. I was, uh, so I honestly wasn't sure. And then this week, uh, today and yesterday, actually, I have done the voiceover for two cyberpunk pieces. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. Um, but no, honestly, it was like the Night City Wire for me is like, I watch it 
but I, I know I'm going to play this game. Like I'm, I'm already like, I'm, I'm just waiting for the game now. I think I like getting these little teasers, but my mind is still undecided on a bunch of stuff. And so I hadn't really given life paths much of a second thought until, um, I was voicing the features today, I think that John Luke did, which was the history of Arasaka, the company, like the law of the, the corporation. And because I don't know that much about cyberpunk law, I genuinely get most of it from Jake and John Luke because they're doing like features <laughs> yeah. on it. And so I was going through this Arasaka piece today and I was like, oh, that's really cool. And I was going, and you know, I voiced the life path piece yesterday, which was these are how the three play out. And it's like the same as Michael, where it's like the, I really want to see this shit burn from the inside. Like, I just want to see where this goes, how it is. And I just really like the look of it. And I think as well, no spoilers, but I think the way that that prologue ends um, is just a really cool setup for the story. And so that's probably what I'm going to pick too. But I hope it's, and I have faith in CD Projekt that will do this. I hope it's not going to be just like, thinking back to the way that Dragon Age 2 for example didn't really have that many meaningful choices beyond um that prologue you just kind of pick your hawk and you kind of get on with it or even um like Mass Effect picking your background it was just a couple of dialogue options really like it didn't it didn't seem to do much for the rest of the story but as this is a playable prologue and seems to be quite a, a decent chunk of the game I really hope it has big implications for how your story plays out yeah. there was if i can interrupt real quick there was even mm-hmm. one thing being the corpo so like i said you fly in from arasaka tower and you land on the roof at lizzie's bar so you come in through the roof right mm-hmm. so later in the game in the prologue you know when i'm v and i'm coming back for another reason i go through the normal door and there's the two bodyguards there and they say a comment to me and my comment back to them yeah last time i was here it wasn't through the front door so there was like a callback to what oh, you did in the prologue as a corpo. So it's little things like that, that to me just scream, you're going to want to play all three life paths at yeah. some point. So it doesn't matter which one you start because you're going to see all these little things like, huh, I wonder how that would have played out if I was a street kid, or I wonder how that played out if I was a nomad, et cetera. So that, that's my plan. I'm going to start <laughs> as a corpo, but for sure I'm going to go through it on, on all three just to see the differences. Yeah, I mean, one thing too to point out. Uh, so I guess I can only re- really speak on the Nomad Path because I actually played through that from start to finish. Well, the prologue that is. Uh, but in that trailer, they showed a lot of characters and set pieces that I didn't see. So that mm-hmm. does give me a lot of hope that, you know, there's more to these life paths apart from just your prologue and just a few comments. Like it seems like they're going to be entirely different characters who will interact with you differently or maybe take you on different quests. Like in the nomad section, there's that one girl who seems to be a very good friend of the nomad, maybe, you know, was part of the nomad crew before, I guess the, the band split up. Uh, so, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet that there will be plenty of uh, life path specific content. Uh, I, I, what I'm curious to see is how that is going to tie into the story. Like, the, the Corpo one seems kind of obvious, right? In a very cool way, right? Because yeah. Arasaka is the bad guy, more or less, of, of this game, at least from what we know so far. And based on the lore, like, Arasaka's bad. And you start out by working there. So I'm super curious to see kind of how you and Arasaka will butt heads. Like, are you going to, like, actually exact revenge on your old boss? Like, that'd be kind of fun. <laughs> 
Well, I won't spoil what happened in the prologue because, again, it was kind of surreal to be in Arasaka, if you know the lore at all. And I'm walking around and you're hearing all these different conversations going on. There is definitely a story beat that happens in the prologue from the corporal point of view that that has to pay off at some point in the game. So it'll be interesting to see how that'll play out from the nomad and the street kid point of view. But for sure with Corpo, there's there's going to be a direct tie-in with Arasaka for sure. I also want to see how that, how like Jackie plays into it too, because he uh, also, he's a different character. I don't know how much, but it seems like he's a different character based on what you choose as well. So um, that's like, the, it, to me, that speaks to how the length at which they're going to accommodate for your choices. Because again, this is CD Projekt Red and Paris, you talked about how The Witcher is like, there's always something new to see, something different to do based on the things that you choose to do. Uh, so it's just, it, this is, reading reviews is going to be wild, uh, oh, yeah. I'll say, because I don't think anyone's going to have, I mean, obviously there's going to be broader context stuff, like how well does it handle its themes? How well does it actually nail the cyberpunk, the core cyberpunk theme? Uh, but in terms of like the moment to moment, the gameplay possibilities, boy, I'm looking I'm look forward to what reading what everyone has to say. It's funny you say that because that's something I did after the hands-on previews. I read everybody's, yeah. everyone that got a hands-on thing. I went and watched your video, read everything because I was just curious. And it seems that no no one's had the same experience with this game out of all even, the hands-on even, previews. Even if they choose the same life path too. It, exactly. So yeah. so that that was like example blessing when, when I, I saw when Kind of Funny did theirs. He did Corpo. Oh, we did two completely different things. I'm like, well, 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 what the, where the hell was that? That wasn't in, my, in mine. So yeah, it's it, I'm excited for it because I really feel like they're taking the lessons learned, not only from the things they've done with The Witcher 3, but they're looking at a Mass Effect. They're looking at a Deus Ex, you know, Skyrim, et cetera. They're looking at how to actually have the these story beats matter. And, and, and I know you wanted to move on to another part, so maybe this can segue into it. One thing that I liked about with the weapons that they were talking about as far as when you're getting legendary weapons, they're not tying things to specific quests. Like, all right, I'm going to go do quest X because I know I'm going to get this gun if I complete this quest. Instead, it's about your relationships with the characters. How you build a relationship with a certain character may lead you to getting a certain type of weapon, or if you piss off the wrong person, you may never get access to it at all during your playthrough. So, it's more character-based, it's more relationship-based. So again, your dialogue choices are really gonna matter as you progress through the game. So if anything, that that excites me the most because that really tells me all of us are gonna have these completely skewed experiences um, when we go through the game. Yeah, didn't they even say that like, there might even be some opportunities where a character you like has a really good weapon, like a legendary weapon, right. and it's like, well, I mean, you could kill him and take it, but then yeah. you could be killing. There's consequences. You know. Yeah, you know. so, so I'm curious to see how that plays out because just that right there, I think, is a lot more of an interesting approach than, you know, I feel like when there's legendary weapons in most games, it's either you grind for it a lot or in the case of The Witcher 3, you follow these uh, this, this sort of... Uh, wild goose chase with these notes that take you from point to point and you craft mm -hmm. them, which is cool. And I like that, but I'm really curious to see how they tie these characters into these important weapons and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Um, but then I guess we can just move right on to the weapons 
trailer that they showed off. We kind of already talked a little bit about it, but they just kind of went more in depth in the different kind of weapons you can get. Uh, I, I think one thing that we saw a bit more of, which was nice, was the customization options you have. Like I, when I played the demo, I was I did some uh, I did some of the what did they call them like passive customization abilities yeah. where I like mm-hmm. yeah yeah where, like software upgrades and I did that but I didn't really like go to a store or anything and swap out scope so I'm curious to see how all that's going to be see that's funny again because I did go to a gun store oh, when, really? I, when I played and I actually purchased an SMG and it did have two mod slots on it but we we're I was too low level to be able to do anything but again the CD CDPR rep with, that was with me was explaining how that will like I can keep that SMG with me through the entire game because I can start to add mods to it. And obviously the proficiency, the more I use it, the better I'm going to get with it, the RPG aspects of it. But that's the other the other balance that they're still, I guess, working on, but that's going to be in the final game is they want you to be able to use any weapon you want, but you may not necessarily be great at it. So you have to keep using it to get more proficient. But as you're leveling up, there's the RPG element. So you're going to be finding all these different mods and things you're adding to it, which depending on the mod that you get could completely change the way that the gun actually works in the game there. So again, there's, there's just a spider web of possibilities that, that that's going to happen as we play. Yeah. I think for me, the, the main thing is like, they're going to great. It seems like they're going to great lengths to kind of make these weapons a lot more intricate uh, as you use them. But that's definitely not my play style. Like I just replayed the original Deus Ex and I played it the same way I always do. Low tech, sneaking around. If I have to use a weapon, it's going to be melee or like a silenced pistol or some kind of like non-lethal tranquilizer dart. Like low low tech. I like to keep a low profile. Um, so I, I think that's that's what I want to see next when they talk about like combat encounters. Is that yeah? As is like cool and as flashy as like the weapon stuff looks and sounds. Um, I feel like a lot of the like a lot of the pre-release materials have leaned into the action aspects, and I understand why. Like that's probably the most exciting thing to show off. Like I don't think it would be exciting to show someone crawling slowly on the rooftops, going through <laughs> a vent, hacking a keypad. I'm like oh, wait, huh? Oh, sh- oh wait, I got to back up. Someone saw me. Like because that's how I play, and that is. I don't think that's fun to watch necessarily. So I get why we haven't seen much of that aspect, but that's totally something I want to see is like how it's going to accommodate that type of play style uh, when it comes to like melee, low tech, keeping a low profile while going through combat encounters. Cause I understand like uh, there are some moments where you do have to fight or that's what it seems like. Uh, but again, uh, but the, the E3 demo though did because that was a live demo that was a 30 minute, I think it was like 30 minute demo where they like actually played the game in front of you. Uh, I think all y'all went to that as well. Uh, I know Paris and Jake, y'all, y'all went to that at least. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was a very good showcase because it's a live demo being played in front of you. So it has room to show off that style of play uh, and it wouldn't really play well on a live stream, but no. give, it to me. give it to me, I want to see it. Well, it's interesting you say that because the E3 2019 demo they had, which they then chopped up and had like a small segment of it they released to the public, did actually highlight exactly what you're talking about oh, in Pacifica okay. yeah. because they, they played as a net, net runner and they did it stealth. So they were sneaking up on enemies and doing things from a distance, hacking certain you know equipment and things and never like directly engaging with people. But like you said, that's not going to play well in a Night City Wire, you know, 20 minute, you know, uh, you know, presentation episode because yeah. people 
it's just it's it's not going to look realistic for the way that someone's going to actually play. You want to see the action stuff to get people excited. Now, one thing, because I'm a nerd, you're talking about weapons. I, I have notes in front of me <laughs> because I'm a nerd. <laughs> they actually some of the other melee weapons that if you're if you paid attention in the menu that they were talking about, there is an electric baton. There's a spike bat. And then they also talked about that sledgehammer, um, which was in the E3 2019 demo with the animals as well. I mean, and and also they were talking about the different weapon types. You have like your tech weapons, your power weapons, smart weapons, again, the melee, and but then the cyberware as well. Um, because like they were showing off the Mantis blades. The one thing that I picked up from Night City Wire is the fact that those blades are replaceable. So you can't upgrade those blades as you go through the game. And they kind of talked about you'll start to delve into more of the, the military grade stuff that you have to find on the black market for those type of things with cyberware. So again, here's another layer of stuff that, that you're going to be able to explore and do in, in the game from the weapon side. Yeah. One thing too, talking about low tech, I spent a lot of my demo with just a lead pipe, like <laughs> I was just walking yeah. around, hitting people with a lead pipe, which yeah. is like, I don't know, pro- like definitely not how I'm going to play it when it, when the game comes out, but just like, I don't know. I was, playing with the guy the guy from cdpr was there and he was helping me out and i picked it up and i was like well i might as well just see what this is like to play through this right. with a lead pipe uh but like when I, you play I, through bioshock with just electro bolt and a wrench yeah the entire game <laughs> i mean that, that's kind of what i was doing because i was just hacking and and hitting people with a lead pipe if things got hairy <laughs> that's that's my play style <laughs> But beyond the weapons, the last thing that they really showed off was the transformation from refused or the the samurai to refused. Mm-hmm. I got it backwards. You know what I'm trying to say? How refused kind of became samurai for this for this game. And I thought the presentation was kind of interesting. It, it was like kind of documentary style, but it kind of reminded me of like Spinal Tap a little. It was like <laughs> it kind of seemed like a joke in a weird way, but it, it, it was still pretty good. But I think the big takeaway for me was that they showed a shot where it looked like you were playing as Keanu Reeves. Now I, it's probably brain dance like Johnny Silverhand. Yeah. Uh, but just still the, the thought of that was really cool. Now Some did kind you of music playing mini game? Yeah, well, it could be, <laughs> yeah. but did Yo. you pick up on the one thing from, from that, that they showed the graphical upgrade that they've done to that Johnny Silverhand model since they, since we first saw it, you know, like a year, year and a half ago, however long that was, I mean, they're, they've clearly still been working uh, on this game as far as oh, just yeah. visuals because mm-hmm. it looks miles better now. Like even, you know, when we played the preview at the very end where Johnny Silverhand's like, fuck, right? And it was like, oh, wait, wow. wow. That looks a lot better than than I remember before. So that's something else to be excited about because, I mean, this I'm not that it's going to be the greatest graphical game ever, but they're definitely going for a high-end approach with this. And on PC, it's going to have ray tracing and everything too. So really looking forward to that. Have you guys listened to Samurai's music much at all? Because a couple of the songs have been on Spotify for a while now. I mean, I'm a refused fan, but I haven't I haven't checked out Samurai yet. The Shape of Punk to Come is one of the best records of all time, by the way. Refused classic right there. But uh, yeah, that, that's that's wild though that they're transitioning to that. I'm definitely gonna check that out because they are they are like pretty well known in like punk circles and all that so one crazy thing that we were talking about is one of the bands mentioned on there is run the jewels yeah. uh, or, or i guess or, or yeah. 
So, so I'm super curious to see what they do because they wouldn't be run the jewels in this, but it would still be, you know, Killer Mike and LP. So I, I started thinking about like, like, like I wonder if there would be like quests tied There's to quest givers. Oh <laughs> yeah, like, like God, that would be so, so wild. But you know, you know, think- it, it is wild because like Killer Mike is about that life. Like yeah. he is radical when it comes to politics. So yeah. like, if I they imagine have, like, they some- pitched him on it, and he's like, "I'm all in. Let's go." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's also all about money. So I respect what Killer Mike's grind. And if that if that is the case, he's been he. I think him and LP were both in Gears of War as like playable character models for horde mode or something what uh, so this isn't like unknown territory for them so give us some rtj quests <laughs> look i'd buy that dlc yeah yeah i would too hopefully it's just in the game though <laughs> if it yeah. is in the game at all but but yeah there's a there's a long list of uh artists who are going to be in it and, and i'm just i'm super curious to see I don't know, a lot of these kind of well-known artists portray different artists in this universe because I feel like that's something that hasn't really been done before, at least in video games. Anyway, yeah. we've been talking about how awesome cyberpunk looks the last, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes or so. We do have to move on to some sad news. <gasps> Halo Infinite <laughs> has been delayed. It is not going to be a Xbox Series X launch title. Looks like it'll be early 2021. Yeah, hate to see it. Um, but, but you could kind of see it coming. Yeah, yeah. I but feel, I mean, I mean, I like it would be more, it would be way more damaging for Halo if it launched and it wasn't in the place that it needed to be, or that three four three wanted it to be. Because first Halo game on a brand new console, you wanted to come out with a bang. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Halo. I feel like there are a lot of people who just want to hate. Halo, new Halo, they'll like you'll always have these people who are like it's it's never been the same since Bungie left it. Um, and also like you've got to feel for three four three because they have to make a game that simultaneously appeals to the fan base who want it to be the game they remember from when they were growing up, but who also want it to be a new game in line with how modern shooters play and balancing it like, you want it to be old school Halo, but also take risks and do new things. Right. But you you can't please everyone. Like, and I feel for 343, I do. And like, it can't have been easy uh, to delay it at the last yeah. minute, especially because like just two weeks ago, they were showing off the gameplay for the first time and it was, this is going to be a launch title. And, yeah. and so, yeah, it sucks, but I think it's the best move in the in the long term. Yeah, you know, you know what's what's weird is like I did I went to that that behind the scenes presentation uh, for Halo Infinite shortly after it was revealed, um, and like mad respect to them for trying something new with Halo. Like it has to try something new. It's it I can see it definitely trying to go for that. So I'm I am really excited to see what how the single player stuff works out, man. Like I want Halo to succeed. I remember when I I love playing that shit and like if it can usher itself into a new era in a big way, like anyone should be happy about that. Uh but I did feel like they were very vague about everything we asked. Uh and to me, that came off as like we we're still trying to figure out how to communicate this to uh, the folks who want to know more about know, know more about the game. So it feels like they weren't necessarily ready to put this out in full force. Uh, it's August, and the console's coming out in three ish months. Uh, to, so to see them that reserved about it uh, at this stage, 
kind of told me a lot about where the game was uh, or is. Uh, so for them to delay it, it's one, not surprising. Two, I'm kind of glad. Uh, so whatever hesitancies they had about certain aspects of it and like trying to figure out how to communicate that to people, if they could figure that stuff out, hey, like go ahead and do that. Like, And I also like the Xbox brand has had bad luck with first impressions. Like games can evolve over time and become great things even if they launch in a bad state. I mean, look at it, look at Final Fantasy XIV, look at Destiny. Yeah, sea of Thieves. Yeah, Sea of Thieves. Incredible games now. But it's just that Xbox has had bad luck with launches going back to Xbox One. Uh, So I think that it's really important that they come out the gate strong uh, with a brand like Halo. No, I I completely agree with you. And and I had one of those similar sessions as well. And like you said, it was very reserved where we we almost had to pull the information out of them to, to find out more about the game versus them being open and excited to tell us. And I, I've been saying for the longest, they cannot screw up Halo. They cannot screw this up because it is the flagship IP. It There is no Xbox Series X right now if it wasn't for Halo Combat Evolved because that's what started everything for them, right? And yeah, we, we like you said earlier, we, we've seen the transition from Bungie to 343 and it's not been the greatest. So this was the redemption. This was, hey, we've taken almost five years to make this game. This was the coming out party. Everyone should be super excited about Halo. Instead, we got Craig Meeks. So that was a misstep. I mean, I, I think it was Gary Witter that said it, but I agree with him that they just shouldn't have shown it at all. They 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 should have had the foresight even at that game game showcase reveal to say, hey, Halo's not ready yet. Blame it on COVID, whatever you need to do, but it's not ready yet. It needs more time because they've I don't want to say they've done permanent damage to it, but they've damaged, like you said, you only get one chance at a first impression. And this first impression for Halo Infinite was not good. So I kind of, at this point, I didn't think they were going to delay it. I really didn't because I thought it was so important to launch the Series X and to get people on Game Pass and things like that, that they were just going to put it out hot and we'll figure it out along the way, right? Because even ray tracing wasn't going to be available right away. But I'm glad that the leadership at Xbox realized, let's not screw this up. Let's take our time. Let's get this right. We'll go to plan B as far as launching the Series X. And then the next time, because I think it's going to be a while before we see Halo, but the next time we see Halo, it'll be what 343 envisioned it to be so everyone can see it and be excited. I mean, I don't know what you guys think. I, I think this might be a holiday 2021 title at this point. They wow. it might be a year Damn. delay yeah. because because if it really needs time, spring, I don't think spring's enough. And if spring isn't enough, you're not going to launch it during the summer. So okay. September. Yeah. What's the other window to oh, make it right? Right. Yeah. Right. But I mean, and what's then, what's the the killer app for? Yeah, the I don't killer know. game for Xbox. In the meantime, like, I mean, is Forza a console seller? But that's not even coming out anytime soon. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but, early next year. I mean, definitely not Fable. Um, no. It's Halo. I mean, that's that's just it. it. It's Halo. But if Halo isn't ready, don't force it. Because I'm telling you now, if they repeat what they did with Halo 5, it will no longer be a relevant AAA IP. People will just look at it as an afterthought. They're going to move on to, I don't know, Fortnite or Fall Guys or whatever, right? They're going to start playing yeah. other stuff and they're just going to see Halo as a, yeah, like, like I'm an old guy. So it's like when I, I remember I found pictures of me at the at E301. And I'm 
I saw you posted. Yeah, it was so cool. <laughs> and I'm at the booth, right? And I'm like, oh my God, that was 19 years ago. And then I see people responding going, I wasn't even alive. When I <laughs> oh my God. But that's kind of the thing. People are almost seeing that, oh, that's my parents' game. That's not my game. Like my son, um, he's 14, could care less about Halo. And I'm I'm running around all excited. Oh, they're going to show Infinite. And he's like, yeah, Halo. He doesn't, it, it doesn't register with him. So they got to get this right. They have to get it right. So I, I honestly hope we don't see it until late next year. So take all the time you need, fix the graphical issues, do the multiplayer, the, the flights, the public flights that they wanted to do to make sure you got the multiplayer right and just make this the best Halo it can possibly be. All right, and now we are on to listener questions. If you've got any questions for us, you can email us at afterdarkpodcast at gamespot.com, or you can just join our Discord, and there's a whole channel for all your questions right there. But first question we have is from Chase MM 18 on Discord. Lucy, do you want to read this one? Sure. How do you guys feel about cinematic trailers that don't match the art style of the game itself, i.e. any of the Elder Scrolls online tra- online trailers that show elves that look nothing like the elves you are able to make in the game and armor slash weapons that literally look like they are from another franchise? Is there a good reason behind this? Thanks for any insight you can provide. P.S. Tamanusi, Sandman, so good. It is. It's phenomenal. Um, I would say that... There is a studio who I believe are in Scotland, Blur, who specifically make these trailers. Like any Ubisoft trailer, any Assassin's Creed trailer is usually made by Blur Studios. And it's one of those things where you kind of realize that it's not really for us. It's not indicative of gameplay because it's for a way more mass market audience who will take one look at that and go, whoa, games look like that now. And it's to pique their interest. It's to maybe show the game at, like, the ideal version of the game. Like, I don't mean any disrespect on Elder Scrolls Online here, but it's not the most visually. <laughs> like, the Elder Scrolls Five, like, those famous trailers that they did for Elder Scrolls Five, even for... I remember Mass Effect 3 had a really good CGI trailer, but, like, if as soon as um, Ashley showed up, I was like, she doesn't look anything like that. Please, what are you doing? And it's like, it's this idealized version of a game. It's it's kind of like what I said about um, Let's Go Pikachu, where it's like, when I was a kid, that's how I saw Pokemon Yellow. That's what it looked like to me. And sometimes when you play games, yeah, maybe it's a bit janky or maybe it doesn't look perfect. But in your head, if you are fully immersed in that world, it can. So that's that's my also, shout out to Blur Studios. They do mad work, but apparently they're incredibly expensive to use. So that's, that's my deal. Damn. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like it, if a trailer doesn't match what the game looks like, at least, uh, or at least a parallel of what the game looks like, then it does absolutely nothing for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, like we said, it's probably for a different audience, but I think it can make a bigger impact uh, if it is like the same art style, but in CGI course yo i'm i'm dropping final fantasy 14 again because the thing about the thing about it cinematics is that yeah it's it's cgi trailer that looks like mad realistic but all the character models look just like they do in the game so it, it doesn't feel like there's a disconnect uh in a way and they can communicate a lot about what happens in the game if like the cinematic trailer and what the game actually looks like is in line with each other so i don't know 
Uh, I don't put too much stock in like preview trailers, but a, a good trailer is also extremely memorable. Everyone remembers, what is it, Dead Island 2? I was, I was going to say, no, it was Dead Island 1. Dead Island 1, um, sorry. Even the Gears uh, Mad World trailer. Yeah. yeah, they can leave a lasting yeah. impact, even like way beyond the game. It's just like, here's yeah. a story of like what a trailer was like back then. So mm-hmm. uh, you can make a big impact, but I mean, don't try, don't try and... Uh, Try and uh, pull a fast one on us with that. I, I think that's the main thing. Is the worry now is they're pulling a fast one on us with a lot, a lot of the cinematic trailers because Assassin's Creed. Uh, yeah, uh, it's just not indicative of, of the final game. And I know this isn't a cinematic trailer, but the first thing that popped in my head when I read this was Anthem. I mean, remember oh, that original, yeah. that original demo they showed? You're like, oh my god, this is going to be amazing. That is nowhere near what the what the final game was so i i'm a firm believer in i'd rather just see someone playing the game just show me yeah. the game if it, it, i i just want to see okay this is representative of what i can expect when i'm playing the game but i know that's not the reality of of, of how the industry works i know there's always going to be these cinematic trailers so i guess as long as it at least looks very similar to what i can expect i guess i'm okay with it but I'm always skeptical when I see those. Like oh, yeah. one that, that sticks off the top of my head just from the Xbox game showcase is Fable. That didn't excite me about Fable because I know that's not how Fable's gonna look. That <laughs> that might as well have been Shrek. It's it's, it's no different. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious when I saw the You're program. not wrong. You are not, not wrong. wrong. No lies yeah. detected. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm excited for Fable and I was like cool we got a trailer but there's yeah. something off about it but now that you put it like that i know exactly what was <laughs> off about it you figured it out for me wow i think as well those it's you know when a game isn't very far along in development but you need a sort of tone right. piece right and that's what i feel like a lot of cinematic trailers are used for especially that fable comparison where it's like it's lush it's green it has a bit of comedy in Stephen fry is there too like that you know it's fable but yeah. you're not yeah. you're not getting what it is like in terms of yeah. what it'll be like to play. Yeah. So I think and, tone pieces, yeah. Yeah, yeah and that, that's kind of what I was going to say too is that like w- when a game is like super far out and we get a cinematic trailer, I usually don't mind like it, it, like if it's an announcement trailer, I think that's one thing cuz it's like okay, they're working on this game, this is something I can look forward to in the future. When they like announce a game a couple months before it comes out, sorry Assassin's Creed, and they do it with a cinematic trailer, it's it's just kind of like okay like i like we all know assassin's creed like we get this like but we want to see what makes this different than all the other assassin's creed games and especially since you know like with the the last trailer they're like yeah we're gonna have gameplay in a couple days and it's like well why don't you just skip the skip this cinematic trailer thing and go right to the gameplay i mean you know the trailer was cool and all but yeah kind of like what everyone's been saying it's like it it's it's not really what i want to see yeah. Can I just say, you know how I said Blur make a lot of these? They're not in Scotland. I don't know why I thought they were in Scotland. They made the Fable trailer. They made State of Decay. They made Skyrim. They make all the Elder Scrolls Online. They make the Ubisoft <laughs> the so Ubisoft they pretty trailers. much run press conferences. <laughs> PUBG. Uh, they make they a lot of money. everything. They're doing Valorant. Um, oh, wow. They've done stuff for Warner Brothers. They've done Boots on the Ground. They've done Call of Duty. They've done that uh, Terminator trailer, that Terminator game that came out last year, Titanfall 2. They've done, like, wow. so really, the real answer to this 
is take it up with blur take it up with blur <laughs> no problem <laughs> yeah they do great right. though uh last question here is from edwin do you guys have any games you feel are essentially required material, but that you just haven't been able to complete yourselves? Mine is the Witcher series. Playing through the whole series has been one of my main goals for years, but I am struggling mightily to get through the Witcher 1. It has not aged well. I've restarted at least five times over the past 10 years, but I just can't make it past the third act. My OCD brain won't let me play two and three before finishing one. How do you handle situations like these? Oh, man, that's... I don't know. Does anyone want to go? I kind of got to sit on this one for a minute. Uh, I can tell you my game. Um, I I don't know why my lizard brain will not allow me to finish the original Red Dead Redemption. Just can't. <gasps> I, I just can't. I, I've never been able to get through it. But the irony is, oh, two, no problem. But the first <laughs> one, I could. I to this day, I even wow. got the Xbox 360 disc off of eBay for like five bucks. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and play it. After an hour, I'm like, I, I can't do this. And I, I just, I don't play it. And everyone says it's amazing. And I can't play it for some reason. I mean, at this point, just go on YouTube and watch like yeah, a movie. Right. Yeah. Uh, watch a, watch a uh, commentary free let's yeah. play. Wow. Uh, I think for, for me, I guess it's a little bit of a different direction, but I think it, it boils down to time mm. for me. Like, because yeah. the, the, the games that I want to play are all like 50 to 100 hour RPGs. And I want to play all of them. I'm so like I'm so hungry to replay all of Final Fantasy. Be like, okay, I'm older now. I can understand the context to these games a lot better because they are heavy stories, not just like some all fantastical willy nilly bullshit. There's actually some deep storytelling in those games, and I want to replay all of them. But it's a time investment. I'm trying to play through all like the Trails in the Sky and Trails of Cold Steel games, and I absolutely love them so much, and I want to do it. It is required material for myself to live with myself, but I need time. So this really boils down to just having time and like, how do I deal with it? Well, actually for me, this whole thing is what kind of keeps me excited about playing games. Like I feel like I, there's always something waiting for me. There's always a game to play. There's always something to look forward to. So I'm like consistently excited about having time to play games. I'm never like sitting down and like, damn, video games. What do I play? I don't know what to play. Like I always have something I want. I'm very eager to jump into. It's just a matter of time. So uh, I think as well, though, speaking of time, it's the being essentially locked indoors so much has definitely made me think about the way that like pre COVID life, I guess, where it's like, did I miss an opportunity because I did this? Did I waste time doing this? And I feel like now just to have all this time to reflect on it. And so if you're playing a game and you don't enjoy it, don't spend more time on it just because you feel like you have to, because there are other games that you could play that you might enjoy way more and you want to spend that time with. And as well, like you're not going to enjoy it. So you're essentially putting yourself through this agonizing thing just because you've put that pressure on yourself. Um, If you feel like you really need to play the Witcher series and you can't get into it, like I said, like they do a thing on YouTube. There's an entire subreddit called uh, video game movies where they just take all the cutscenes together, but they put all the like important conversation pieces through and there will hundred percent be a Witcher version of that. And then maybe you can try Assassin of Kings and you maybe you'll enjoy that way more. Like don't feel like you have to play a game just for the sake of playing it if you don't I enjoy know. it. Yeah. I, I do get the sentiment though, where it's like, 
I really want to play, you know, for example, The Witcher 3, but I don't want to play, or I don't want to play it without having played 1 and 2 beforehand, which is something I think I probably used to struggle with a lot. But yeah, in recent times, it's just come down to time. And like, Mm -hmm. it's really just a matter of like, do I actually want to sit through and play these? Like, for example, I was going to stream through all the Resident Evil games because I'd only played like 4 and 6, or 4 and 5 and 7. And I was going to play through all of them. And I played through most of one. By the time I finished one, I was like, nah, like I, I don't really want to, I don't really want to go through with this as much as I enjoyed one. And as much as I've enjoyed the other ones, like it just, it just doesn't seem like a good use of my time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah I don't know. That, that's a tricky question, but, but I'd say the the game for me that that's happened to is final fantasy seven. It's a game that I'd, definitely feel like I need to play, especially since I did enjoy the remake and I want to see the differences, especially since there's what, two more Final Fantasy VII remakes, maybe three more Final Fantasy VII remakes on the way. I definitely want to see where all of that came from. But like, I don't know, I played the first couple hours of seven and I was like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it through this whole game. Damn. Mm-hmm. Hate to see it. Mine's <laughs> Breath of the Wild. <laughs> oh, I, I, I wasn't going to say that because I was worried about the feedback. No, you're in a, you're in a safe space. You're in a Thank safe you. space. <laughs> I, like, I can appreciate uh, yeah. how good it is, and I really enjoy playing it. For me, if I don't have a path, like it's awful, if I don't have that dotted line to follow, I will just get distracted and I won't, I won't do it. <laughs> like I just get distracted and that's... It's it's weird that there's been this real big conversation about people with ADHD recently. And I just feel like maybe it's me as an anxious person. I don't think I have ADHD, but like I noticed that I just, my attention just goes and I, it's terrible. And, and, and like Breath of the Wild is a game that I absolutely keep meaning to get back to because I respect it a lot and I know how much other people love it. Michael, you're pulling a face. I'm so sorry. I don't, I, I'm, I don't have that much attachment to it. But I'm just thinking back to 2017 when we had our game of the year discussions and yeah. just like how everyone absolutely loved it. It was yeah. unanimous, unanimously like voted as our game of the year. No conversations would touch that game. Even my ass who was just like Persona 5 is the greatest game of all time. Hey, look, uh, we got we got I, Persona to two. Don't worry yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So I was we I pushed was really- Odyssey out of the way. So yeah, and that's how happy I was. I was like, okay, two, two is great. No one's touching Breath of the Wild. There's like mad respect about it. So uh, like mm-hmm. I haven't, uh, or I, I played the game, I finished it. But like when I hear people who haven't played it or haven't completed it, I'm just like, someone's going to get your like, ass. <laughs> considering, so my boyfriend is such a huge Breath of the Wild fan. Mm-hmm. He has Zelda tattoos. He has the whole deal. This dude has video game tattoos. What a loser! <laughs> <laughs> kind of sad that we're not we're not video anymore. Yeah, but, we're not, um, Michael's oh, we're got not persona no. tattoos all over. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great goof, though. No, but like it's it's a thing that I think I want to do with him, or at least have my switch and go. Look, I'm doing it just because I know he loves it so much. Um, we all we all got our gaming like gaps, and it's yeah. fine. It's okay. It's okay it's if you safe. haven't played the most popular game. Uh, it's it's all right. I don't have to play everything. Well, anyway, I think that's as good a place as any to end episode 54 of GameSpot After Dark. Thank you all so much for joining me. And thank you, Paris, for joining us this week. That was, that was yeah. a lot of fun. Thank good you. to have you here to talk about some cyberpunk. Uh, before we go, though, uh, Paris, anything you want to plug? Where can people find you on Twitter? Whatever, whatever you got to say. Sure. So 
easy place to find me because I'm always rambling about something is on Twitter. Uh, that's at Vicious696. Like I mentioned, our podcast is Gamertag Radio. We're everywhere, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere that you get your podcast, just search for Gamertag Radio. And I'm going to selfishly plug my YouTube channel because with the pandemic, I've really been paying attention to it. So just search my name, P-A-R-R-I-S. You'll, you'll find me. And uh, I, I talk a lot of cyberpunk on there. So if you like <laughs> cyberpunk, you, you might want to check it out. Yeah, you got like an hour-long preview based on your uh, gameplay. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I could not believe I talked that long. That was <laughs> Uh, Lucy, where can people find you? And are you up to anything this week? I am. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Lucy James Games. Uh, we're launching a new show. Uh, it'll be out today. It'll be up uh, by the time this podcast is up. Uh, called Generation Next, all about PS4, PS5, and Xbox Series X. Um, See, you crazy. messed up on the one that you shouldn't have messed up on. Like the Series X is the one that I feel like everyone messes up on. We recorded today and we were literally just joking about how difficult it's going to be, especially because the uh, the Xbox Series S seems to have leaked through that controller uh, packaging. And so we were like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if we messed it up? And then Tam immediately messed it up. And I've just messed up PS4, PS5, so... <laughs> Great start, but um, it's very fun. It's me, Tam, and Jordan. Uh, we're talking about like the big news of the week, um, as well as getting into some fun features this week. We're talking about games from this current gen that you know you've got a few weeks of like quiet time. You need to hit these games before next gen. So uh, please watch. Come leave us comments. Uh, come chat with us about it on the Discord. Um, it's YouTube.com/slash/GameSpot. And Michael. Yo, uh, a couple things to plug. I think this week, as I talked about, Final Fantasy XIV is huge. Uh, by the time this goes up, I'm going to have a lot of uh, coverage on it. Uh, a lot of spoiler stuff, if you want to check that out, for the very few who actually have made it to the end of that. But also, like, some beginner stuff. Uh, I'm going to collab with Jean-Luc on a video version of some of those things. Uh, but, yeah, it's that. Um, also, by the time the weekend rolls around, I'll have a big feature on She Dreams Elsewhere, a game by my good friend, Davion Gooden. Uh, I'm very excited for that game. He is uh, he's a great dude. Uh, had a wonderful interview with him. Uh, some, we talk about some real shit in that interview, so it's, it's going to be very fascinating. I want uh, people to read that. Really get some insight on what it's like to be a solo dev, what it's like to put your own voice uh, in it, uh, especially as a BIPOC. Uh, so that's going to be a very fascinating uh, thing to put together and finally put out there. Uh, also, I want to give a shout out to GTR, Game Tag Radio. You know, uh, it's funny. We talked about it before we started recording, but uh, I've only been on it recently. But I've been following Paris and, uh, and Danny Pena and uh, Pete Toledo. And y'all have a very good dynamic that I think a lot of people should uh, should at least you know check out. Especially you, Paris. You'd be beefing with uh, Danny <laughs> all the time. It is the funniest shit, though, because it, I miss my homies back home so much. And y'all's dynamic reminds me exactly of that. Even you and Ka going back and forth about ribs. <laughs> the funniest shit to me. It's the funniest shit to me. Oh, yeah. I, I, I love them both. And Danny, Danny is the reason I'm even into gaming at all, because Gamertag Radio... Back in 2005, when he started it, I used to listen to it and we became friends. God, we've been been friends for 14 years. So it, it's really like a brotherhood 
thing at this yeah. point, even even with Kai and the, the whole ribs <laughs> you do on Twitter. Oh, man. But yeah, shout out to y'all. Y'all doing really good work. And I um, just enjoy all the bullshit that y'all post on the timeline. Uh, oh, thank so, you. Appreciate yep. that. Um, yeah. Nothing. Oh, I, I, you can find me at Jacob Deck. Uh, I don't, I don't tweet too much anymore because I'm tired of Twitter. Hey, this, the discourse. <laughs> oh my Twitter. God. Capital D discourse. Uh, but, uh, we do have on hopefully Saturday, we're going to have a cyberpunk lore video all about Arasaka. Uh, we already have two up right now. One about the early history of night city and one about Johnny Silverhand. The third one will be Arasaka. Lucy just recorded a video for that today, so hopefully Beautiful that makes voiced. it up in time. And then we also have a video breaking down GameSpot's experience of the three different life paths. Uh, so if you're curious, you're still trying to figure out which life path you want to pick when the game comes out, take a look at that video. It might help you out. But anyway, we'll see you all next week. Bye.